Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to State of the Empire, Consequence of Sound's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. And this episode, we're going to be talking an awful lot about Solo. But hey, never fear. The movie that comes out May 25th, we ain't going to spoil it for you unless you want it to be spoiled for you. That's why we lock all of our spoilers safely behind the blast doors. Up till then, we'll be talking about all kinds of fun stuff that is not particularly spoilery, but is full of insights and... um. That will pertain, indeed, to some solo stuff. Also, some comic book news, some, some surprisingly some things about Episode Nine. Oh, yeah, and even a little matter of the new cartoon show we've been talking about being on the horizon for a while now. We know some things about that, finally. But really, you could say we've known some things about that for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, long story short, if you're worried about spoilers, don't worry about spoilers. We got that taken care of. You'll know when it happens, and let's dive into talking about Solo. Our last episode was an archival interview episode where we played some old stuff from long, long ago. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, in the interview with Julian Glover, mm-hmm. General Veers, afterwards you said, oh, Doug was you know, reading the other scripts and Return of the Jedi. And he would have mentioned if General Veers was in the Return of the Jedi script. I'm pretty sure I did. Did Be- you? I'm pretty sure I did. If I didn't do it on the show... It's a fact that I did it on Twitter when I was doing my live okay. uh, script reading, live tweeting, whatever the hell you'd want to call reading the script live, <laughs> you know, as live as it could get. Um, yeah, General Veers was totally in in uh, Return of the Jedi. That's amazing. Yeah. And he was even like clever and smart. And actually, the trick that Han Solo pulled to get the uh, Imperial troops out of the base, General Veers did to the rebels. Oh. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have I, I would have remembered that. That did not come up on the show. Yeah, no, General Viewers was like they find cuz it's a, there's a whole bunch of it's not just like a scouting party on on the Endor moon. It was like a whole bunch of rebels on the Endor moon building like a secret base. And so uh General Veers shows up in an ATST with like a whole bunch of imperial troops and they're like all right, quick, wipe them all out. Pew, pew, pew. And they go and they just kill a whole bunch of them. They're like, all right, there's going to be more rebels coming. Get in their armor. Get in the, get in the rebel like uniforms and everyone act like a rebel. And then when they show up, we just fucking kill them all. And it fucking works. <laughs> like It's like uh, uh, Leia and Han barely escape and that's how they get separated. What happens to Veers? Does he die or does he just fizzle out? I don't recall. I think he just sort of fizzles out. They never say. And I'm, I mean, I guess it's hinted that he basically is either caught or killed during the battle. But there's no like, I don't recall a death scene for Veers. So either he got away or uh or he was arrested man can you imagine like having a persistent capable imperial nemesis other than darth vader in he, these movies Veers, like legit was the only one who didn't screw up like veers did his job 
perfectly. The only thing that screwed up was the Emperor got cocky, and then both of the Death Stars above and above <laughs> Coruscant. That's right, two Death Stars. <laughs> both of them blew up, and then it's like, well, shit. I guess the war's over. You know? I, I think I think Piet came close to that. Like, I don't think anything he like he did anything wrong. He had some bad luck with like R two yeah. knowing how to fix the hyperdrive and yeah. and you know the the A wing getting through or whatever. But like, I think that's the closest. But Veers. Veers is capable. Yeah. And Gergerod in the movie version is actually fine. Like, didn't, didn't really fuck up. Didn't didn't have uh, any shining glory moments, but also didn't entirely screw up. Just sort of followed orders. And he had a deleted scene where, where like, he fled in fear, didn't he? Well, no. He had a deleted scene where he hesitated. And in that hesitation of firing the Death Star's cannon, that gave just enough time for uh, Wedge and Lando to get in and blow it up. So, non-canonically, according to the deleted scene, Jerjerod did screw up only because he hesitated for a split second. Uh, but it, canonically, for the movie, then he's actually fine. But according to the script, he was actually Grand Moff Jerjerod and possibly a Sith in training. They didn't go into it. It was crazy. What? <laughs> what? He called. Don't you remember any of this? I was telling you this. No. The, uh, then I was. You gotta read the. You gotta read my tweets. Okay. Then. Uh, Doug <laughs> D- at Doug V Banks on Twitter. Yeah. Read. Go back in time and read my tweets. He called Grand Moff Gergerod behind closed doors. Calls the Emperor Master. Huh. <laughs> and he's like, the Emperor confides in him some stuff. I don't know. It's strange, but we got a lot more to talk about. <laughs> we do. We do. And I never. I mean. I, I, I would never hesitate to have one of these discussions about Star Wars. I will divert happen. at any time. As anyway, me, I'll tell in, you. in so <laughs> with in regards to Solo, though, we did we did that interview um, archive episode because there wasn't a lot to report. But now now there's quite a lot to report. So tickets were are, are now available. They were made available at uh, 12.01 a.m. on May the 4th. And um According to the official website of the Cannes Film Festival, the runtime is two hours and 15 minutes. Now, we all had an easy time scoring tickets at that moment of the tickets being available. We, If you if you follow us on our Facebook or Twitter feeds, I don't know if, if maybe you didn't catch the memo, but there wasn't really much of an official memo about it, but we were hearing rumors. We were able to confirm it. So definitely do follow us because if you wanted to get that head start, we got a heck of a head start and... I mean, I chose the first showing at the my preferred theater in town, and I was the first seats to select from the theater. Like, it was uncontested. So, seemingly, like, you know, no one was really excited to be uh, at midnight buying solo tickets, except that Fandango reports that Solo's advanced ticket sales, I guess people woke up, and within the first 24 hours are beyond what they were for Black Panther and is second in 2018 pre-sales to only Infinity War. Wow. But it, it's crazy because it, it that it that article in and of itself, or you know, those announcements has created a lot of like controversy between the like the solo haters and like those that are like excited for it. It's you know they think it's like just a, a you know PR bullshit that it's even doing well. That it's just to try to further the the buzz for the film by saying it's doing well. Can we reflect it, on that for a moment? Because yeah. I, we haven't really discussed the solo haters on this show yet. <sighs> And I and that's I feel like it's kind of a recent phenomenon that's sort of like you know it's been bur- bubbling up for a while and and is sort of presenting itself. There's a lot of reasons to not want this film. We have outlined them extensively from the moment it was even first hinted at on this very program. And I'll admit I was a self-proclaimed solo skeptic when they announced that there would be a solo film. 
which is fine. Solo skeptic is fine, but reasonable, some of the, like, in fact. Yeah. It's just become a very toxic environment without seeing the movie. I guess what, what bothers me is that the difference between like if so, if they announce like a trilogy of Han Solo books like they've done twice before or comics, everybody would be fine seeing it in those mediums. But for some reason, just because it's a movie, it creates a toxic fan environment because that's held to a different scale. I yeah. guess just because of I don't know what that is. Movie experience or movies like absolutely king when it comes to media. Like I don't or is it money? I have no idea. But for some reason, because this is a movie, if they screw it up, it's that much worse than if it was just a book or a comic. Well, I mean, we do know that movie continuity in all cases trumps whatever's been written in the uh, expanded universe. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I've I've. I haven't been exposed to that much uh, solo hater toxicity, uh, but I did see a YouTube video recently that was saying why uh, Alden Ehrenreich was the worst choice to ever possibly be Han Solo, and I'm like, I don't know about that. I think given the amount of actors that are out there now who could perform and do it, I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to pick someone else, but, they, but every person that this person recommended was an impressionist of Harrison Ford, and it's like, yeah... An impressionist can read a line sounding similar to another line reading. That's what an impression is, but acting is a very different thing. So I'm willing to give benefit of the doubt until I see the movie to see whether or not someone did a good job or not. But it was Mm -hmm. also like, he looks nothing like Han Solo. I'm like, he looks a little like Han Solo. (laughs) Like, he looks more like Han Solo than I do, you know? (laughs) Like, I I, I don't really care. Like, people, this reminds me so much of when they announced Daniel Craig was going to be James Bond. Oh, that's an interesting That's actually, comparison. I, I was actually going to bring up, a, you know, not not Daniel Craig. I was just going to say, I, I wonder what the reaction was when they casted, you know, George Lazenby and Roger Moore as Bond, because that wasn't after just trying to get a second Sean Connery. And I don't think like Bond would have survived if they kept just getting a new Sean Connery. Yeah, let's get the Sean Connery. Her- I, 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 I was up in the Catskills and I saw this guy do, uh, uh, Frank Gorshin does a really good Sean Connery impression. We got to get him to do it. We can just have him do an impression the entire time. <laughs> Be out of your freaking mind. Yeah, and 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 I'm not that, that Han Solo is the same character. And also, like, story continuity is much more important in this universe. So I can understand why you just, you want someone that can do a Harrison Ford to some extent. But, man, if, if you just tried to find someone that could do the voice and has the look and blah, 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 like... Is that really that much better? Like, I I don't think there's ever been a series that's recasted that has successfully recasted because they just casted somebody exactly the same. With the exception of maybe Men in Black 3. <laughs> well, that was really good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and like, also also a little different because they were doing a, a time thing. It was a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It right. Was a, you know, yeah. Man, did he do a good job. It's, no. it's still stunning how I, great Josh I, I still like... He needs to be best supporting actor. He should have won. <laughs> like just that, oh, yeah. he freaking nailed it. But in that same vein, people kind of want the exact same thing. And the, the, these these comments and these YouTube things I was seeing were like, oh gosh, and you know, not only does he not look like him, here's a clip from an unrelated movie where he's doing a completely different genre, and look at how he acts. And it's like they took—I don't even remember what movie it was from, but it wasn't it wasn't Hail Caesar, and it's just him giving an emotional performance in the rain, and he's like, whatever, and like, this is Han Solo? I'm like, dude, fuck <laughs> you. I know, and that's why I bring up <laughs> Daniel Craig, because they did the same shit to Daniel Craig by playing clips from Layer Cake, where he's like, guns, I hate guns, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is your uh-huh. new Bond. It's like, get the hell out of here. They're an actor. They're doing, like, it's a different part. Like, you, that's like, it's the same shit when they said Michael Keaton was going to be Batman. Mr. Mom is going to be Batman? Get the hell out of here. Like, 
it never ends. It's the it's just every ten years this happens. I mean, when like children, children, children. You don't know how the industry. Ben works. Affleck can't play Batman. What the hell? It's just well, <laughs> he didn't do a great Daredevil. I well, he didn't. I don't blame him for doing for, for that movie sucking. Like you know, it was his performance was the least of that movie's problems. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but he he was arguably my favorite part of of uh, Batman vs Superman. His performance, at least, sure, sure, you know. But but it's we've seen this all, and I, I don't know. I just I don't I don't understand how you can live through all of that over these number of years, and then when it comes up again with Han Solo, you just immediately. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the same argument. It's literally the same argument. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this movie it's it's up against a lot of weird, very just strange um, static in 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 everything. I mean, like here it is, only a few months after the prior Star Wars film, which was very divisive. And and a little bit of the Denny's story that Doug and I didn't share when we were doing our episode where we reviewed the <laughs> solo menu at Denny's is that uh, more fun than it sounds. <laughs> the, the 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 waitress came up to us wearing a show a solo shirt, hearing that we'd ordered the whole solo menu, and she was like, "So is this a new Star Wars movie?" <laughs> like, yeah. And we're like, <laughs> And like, there's one so soon. I'm, my husband just rented uh, uh, the last one off a of Redbox. It was scratched. Like, yeah. It's, <laughs> if, if it's new, I gotta tell him because he would love to see a new Star Wars movie. We're like, oh yes, there will be a new story. And it's it's and it, is it about Han Solo? And it's just like, yes, the Solo logo is everywhere. And that's why I'm not blaming her. I'm blaming the poor marketing choices that they've done for this movie. But that said, in the about a month since that episode happened. Uh-huh. There's been a lot of solo. And there's been, been a pushing. lot, yeah. TV spots, more trailers. I think when we sat down to have that meal, there was really only one, maybe two teasers out. And it's if you're not a huge Star Wars nerd and you're not listening to Star Wars podcasts and waiting for the movies to come out on YouTube and hitting refresh on your web browser every five minutes to get tickets, <laughs> like you're probably not even aware of what of what this movie's about or that it's even a young Han Solo. You just yeah. It's easy to miss. And not only do we have trailers now, we have full scene excerpts, actually. Yeah. And on this episode's page, we're going to be posting links to uh, all of the ones that seem the most relevant. But we got some shout-outs to some uh, some special stuff, including a really wonderful 360-degree presentation of a clip from the Sabak scene, or Sabak. Do we know how we how we say it? I I've heard it, it both ways yeah. so much. And we'll find out, I guess. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> I actually wouldn't be surprised uh, if Lando pronounces it both ways. <laughs> well, like this, this is Sabak. Th- yeah, it's like Sabak. I think you mean it's Sabak. <laughs> no, it's Sabak Solo. I'm pretty sure. I didn't invent the game, but I win it all the time. Well, apparently, apparently, there's a similar discussion about how to pronounce right. That's why I bring it up. Yeah, in, in the scene uh, because the, the entire scene was played at a uh, at a convention recently. We'll go into that behind the blast doors. Um, but so. The, yeah, there's there's a 360 degree scene. You can just use your mouse to scroll around, or maybe even a VR helmet to look around from like you know one end of the table. There's Lando right next to Thurm Scissor Punch. On the other end, there's uh, Han Solo, and uh, they're at the uh, at the part of the scene where the Falcon gets put on the line, and it's great. And all the characters all around them, from like the dirty female spacer to the giant cy- Cyclops dude looming over them, and the shrimp guy, boy. It is such a great fun scene, and it's so cool to see with that with this dimension. I've never really seen a three sixty presentation thing that I actually enjoyed this much because mm-hmm. it was more about showing off the three sixty than it was about a 
you know, cool little scene. Yeah, it was a, just a great scene. It was perfect. It was a round table. It's perfect for this. It was my, made for this. It is. And the, my, my only nitpick was I wish that instead of it being at the center of the table and you have to use your mouse to scroll quick, I'm going to see what Han says. Oh, now I got to go back to what Lana says. If they had you as like the person in the middle playing cards, like that perspective mm-hmm. where you could look side to side to see them, like as if you were at the table. But you know. true, but I do like. I won't, I won't look at a gift horse the, in the mouth. The, you the know. full, the full depth of spinning around. It re- it rewards multiple viewings. Sure, oh, I've, yeah, I've watched sure. it. I've watched it a number of times just, just for fun. Just watching the aliens look around is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the nice thing with the if you watched it on phone, it you don't need to use the mouse. It, you just move Spin the phone. And it, yeah. yeah, so it, it was pretty <laughs> smooth. Sweet. But um, I just stared at, at Scissor Punch the entire time. <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, one of one of our co-hosts on our nerdy show stuff, Brandon, was he's 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 the kind of dude who, when Disney's ruling the world, making a ton of money in Star Wars, he was really mad at the last film, understandably so. He rebels. He re- he rebels. Yeah, he does rebel. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he was he was he was mad. He was like, "Fuck this movie! I don't want to see it." He'd heard all these rumors about the movie, which we'll go into in a moment. And then he saw <laughs> then he saw the Denny's trading card for Therm Scissor Punch. And he was like, "Fuck it! I'm in. Yeah. This is everything <laughs> I want." <laughs> Therm Sister Punch, if you're not aware, is basically a lobster man playing yeah. cards. <laughs> and he's awesome. <laughs> More lobster than man. <laughs> um, uh, Cerebral Paladin tweeted us that in the uh, Force Awakens visual dictionary, it specifically says that Han won the Falcon off Lando while playing Corellian Spike, which is a variation of Sabacc that uses dice. And that's why we were, we were curious in the past about, like, so what's the deal? Like, how could he win with these dice when... It's a card game. Yeah, it's a card game. So it's a it's a special variation. Maybe maybe Han. We don't have conf- confirmation of this, but maybe Han's going to be like, "Hey, let me uh, let's play a version of from uh, from my hometown," you know, with with these dice. And what's the deal with there? People were saying that the dice that he hangs in the Falcon was the dice that he won the Falcon with. Yeah, but yet we see him with gold dice in his like speeder like earlier in the film. Yeah, they're like they're his lucky charm. So like he just so happens to also win them or win the game with them unless the visual dictionary is being contradicted now but that's what the visual dictionary says for the force awakens right okay well i guess we'll see i guess we will see yeah um there's a we got a, a full scene with uh the chewbacca the scene about chewbacca's age mm-hmm. in the falcon we get that that entire scene which is really nicely plays out um there's a nissan commercial where uh l337's flying the falcon and it's like a full scene and I don't know if is it is it for the Nissan commercial or is it in the movie? I can't tell. Well, they did do a full for Force Awakens. They had a chewy BB-8 scene where they're on board Starkiller Base. That was like a full movie scene that really had nothing to do with anything. So I wouldn't put it past them yeah. just to be able to you know do that. Yeah, I don't think it's in the movie. But I I will say though, just from experience of watching a lot of TV this weekend, that commercial plays constantly to the point that like even I am a little sick of it. <laughs> Well, I've still never seen it outside the internet, so okay. And that little dog was really cute; it looked like a little Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah, actually, that was a very cute dog. There's also a uh, a tour that Donald Glover gives of the Falcon, which is really neat because you kind of get. I mean, gosh, that looks like a complete set. Like a, they actually built the interior without, like, with probably hidden seams to move the crew in and out of. But it seems like it's like a closed unit. Like they what built if, the interior if, of the ship. Where have they filmed that? At the Falcon that's at Disneyland. They did not. I know they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, what greater way to promote it? It's like, we actually filmed this at Disneyland on the Falcon. It's like, wow. That's like in, in Common Rider where they're like, all the props are actually the toys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but the biggest thing that came out was a featurette called Becoming Solo. And it is full 
of all kinds of scenes we haven't seen before and great perspectives from the cast and crew. Can't recommend it enough. In terms of talking about the actual story beats for the movie, that's all going to be behind the blast doors because we're pretty sure that the solo Monopoly game gift-wrapped us this entire film's timeline. Quite possibly. So look forward to that if you want some spoilers. And we'll also be going into the some of the scenes in the featurette that are kind of new to us. Um, in another trailer, we also got a first look at Warwick Davis's character, which we'll link to on this episode's page. And we recently found out that what we the character we'd formerly been calling Enfy's Nest, who's a female bounty hunter, leader of this, or maybe or mercenary or something, leader of the the Cloud Rider gang, is actually pronounced Enfys, kind of like emphasis. So it's Enfys Nest, not Enfys Nest. We'll see how they pronounce it in the movie, because all I know is good old Uncle George call them the Gungas. This comes straight and from the- Lawrence Kasdan. I. You know, make it that what you will. Tatooine, Tatooine, <laughs> Dantooine. The Star Wars collecting group Yakface pointed out that Solo is actually using Star Wars 1313 concept art. That's the uh, long uh, speculated on last LucasArts game that was never released, Star Wars 1313, um, set in the underbelly of the Star Wars universe. There's some, we'll link to some concept art showing a group of vagrants gathered around a burnt-out astromech hulk, which is exactly what we see in one of the earliest Solo trailers. Nothing goes to waste. Nothing goes to waste. Um, there's also uh, there's a company called Design by Humans, and they, they have a, a Star Wars license where they produced a bunch of Solo-related shirts, and in this batch of Solo-related shirts, there's a shirt called Galaxy Sunset, uh, which depicts some kind of sailcraft spaceship that we've never seen before, We've never seen anything remotely like it in any of the Solo stuff so far, but this was released in a Solo batch of shirts. It is definitely Star Wars merchandise. It, it looks similar to some of the designs of the Kashyyyk craft in um, Revenge of the Sith. So maybe we get a quick little, you know, dropping off Chewie's family. Mm. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. So I that that's the only thing I could possibly like gathered just from the shirt itself it's a cool design i know mm-hmm. that much but but boy like it is so out of sync with everything else we've seen so far yeah. now that's essentially where the solo talk ends but there was a recent long article on esquire about alden Ehrenrich, who's playing han solo and it is the best source for dispelling a lot of the rumors that have been circulating this film you know we we had lord miller the director's fired from the set, Ron Howard took over. There were all these crazy rumors about Alden Ehrenrich being so bad that they had to call in a acting coach and all this other stuff coming from uh, unnamed sources. There's also the rumor that like when they announced that Ron Howard or that Lord Miller had been fired and Ron Howard was hired, the crew like applauded like, you know, then... So excited were they that their the tyranny of Lord and Miller was over. That sounds really unprofessional. If that was to believe to be true, <laughs> right? So this, fully aware that he can only say so much with the NDAs in place about everything that's been going on here. This is one of the most telling interviews so far. Um, I highly recommend it. We'll link to it on this episode's page. But yeah, I mean, like I heard someone was telling me recently, like it was like, hey, so th- I mean, this this Han Solo film, it's gonna be bad, right? I mean, did they fired the director, like the director, <laughs> the director, um, and then brought in some other guy, and then some like some other guy, <laughs> and and then Han Solo was so bad they had to have an acting coach, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is gonna be a bad movie, right? And I'm like, wow, that's all wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all super duper wrong. 
I mean, we've speculated on these rumors in the past trying to figure out if there's any truth to them. But at the end of the day, it seems like mostly these are, you know, people somewhere in the cast or crew who are relatively uninformed selling some, you know, you, you get when you're an informant, you get paid. Mm -hmm. So if the if the websites think that your shit is real, you're going to get some money. And on the note of the acting coach, like there's no explanation as to who the acting coach was for. Actual, there is now. Oh, there is now? Yeah. What was it, who was it for specifically then? Okay, so in regards to this, it was writer-director Maggie Kiley, who um, she was brought in allegedly to, you know, to work specifically on Alden's performance. Mm -hmm. Alden said in the Esquire interview, she was part of a conversation that happened for a couple of weeks at one point, but that was basically it. And Lord Miller, who were also interviewed for this discussion about Alden taking on the role of Han Solo, they said that Kylie is someone they've worked with on previous films, and they brought her on Solo as a resource for the entire cast as well as themselves. See, what that sounds like to me, and I don't want to get too presumptuous, but uh, that to me sounds like there was overall miscommunication from directors to actors mm. on what was like wanted. So this is like an interpreter is what it sounds more like, like an emotional interpreter of like, well, try it that way. Try it this way. This is what they're looking for, especially for someone that they were familiar with. Right. That's what that sounds like. Yeah. And also like an acting coach who's also a writer director. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no coincidence there. Yeah. Um, but on, on the note of the of the supposed they brought in an acting coach for Alden's performance was so bad. One of the arguments I'd heard, which was so self-contradictory, it made my head explode, was. Well, they could totally hire an impressionist because if an impressionist can do Han Solo or Harrison Ford so well, they can come in, do the impression. Disney can easily have the money to hire an acting coach to teach that person to act. And then like two minutes later, they're saying, can you believe they had to hire an acting coach to get Alden Eric to be able to do this part? I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like, where does it end? There's like this constant goalpost moving. It's it, You can't win. Don't be that. Hey, folks. I know it can be fun to be that person, but don't be that person. Please don't be that person. I, how is it fun to be miserable? Boy, you, you you don't see a lot of people who who <laughs> this is a whole psychiatric I see, discussion. Oh, I here, see but. miserable people all the time bemoaning everything about Star Wars these days. But it's like I, it's not fun. How it's, can it, it be is? Fun? A, it is a kind of entertainment. Oh, unfortunately. Oh, that sucks. I mean, hey, there's there's plenty of problems with Star Wars. There's plenty of problems with the film industry. But ultimately, we have fun yeah. talking about. It. That's why we're here. I'm not saying love everything mindlessly. Yeah, <laughs> fuck no, no, we don't. Not, I am not saying that at all. I'm just saying like. To, to stew in your you know in your own hatred is is kind of what the ant antith antithesis of Star Wars is all about. Yeah, see, because yeah, what you, it's the path to the dark side. When you when you actively think that something's not worth your time and you should like and it's it's just you know like that it's it's gross to you, stop caring. That's what you yeah. should do. You I, should move on. I can't was it was it I can't remember who it was. It was a famous person who says uh, the definition of a fanatic is someone who refuses to change their mind and can't change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh rest of the rumors, uh the the applauding thing, Ehrenrich says that's bullshit for a crew to, to do that. That would mean they hated Lord Miller, which was not the the case by any stretch. Um and uh according to Esquire magazine, everyone involved is cagey about how much of Lord Miller's material ended up in the final cut, understandably. But the big reveal from this article, whether it amounts to something or not, Ehrenrich is signed on for three films. So that's something we've talked about for a while. The solo what trilogy about Donald Glover. <laughs> How many films? It, it it I think it depends on the reaction and the kind of money because then they can start you know like he has a lot on his plate right now. 
and I could imagine he doesn't want to commit to much. But yeah. I think if Disney decides that they have a big pile of money that they could throw at him, I'm sure he would do more films. Everyone go buy Lando merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see how he does. I mean, everything we've seen so far has been like fantastic. And also the other thing, too, is I see a lot of like, oh, he's, you know, oh, he's doing a great job as Billy D compared to, you know, how Aaron Reich's doing a solo. And even if you... It's as And different. this is just conjecture. If you really paid attention, I'm sure there's a lot of nuance to just – it's not just him being a Billy D. Williams person. I think it's it's him bringing something different. He has a natural And you charisma. like what he's bringing. Exactly. It's 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 Donald Glover. People loved him prior to, the, to this film and I think everyone's just excited to see him in a Star Wars film and he's going to do great. And But I wouldn't say it's just because he's doing an impression. I think it's because he's doing his own thing and people are into what he's doing. Yeah. Exactly. So now the, we're going to talk more about Solo, but that's going to be behind the blast doors. Let's talk about Star Wars Resistance, the latest in a series of I told you so's from State of the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> so we had we had a rumor about the name Star Wars Resistance being trademarked. We had Dave Filoni at Star Wars Celebration several years ago saying he wanted to do um, Top Gun style, you a, know, a Top yeah. Gun sort of Star Wars show. Granted, he said it was about Imperials. Yeah. Um, he said his dream project would be to have it be about Imperials. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Disney's like, you can't have flying space Nazis. <laughs> you can't have that be the thing for kids. What I was wrong about is I was wrong about when it was going to be announced. But um, I'm happy to, that it was like, you know, I said that I think it's going to happen before Solo. It did happen before yeah. Solo. Yeah. <laughs> and it is coming out this fall on Disney XD. This is a series that takes place just before the events of The Force Awakens. And um, that I would not have predicted. Because that's a strange, you know, Star Wars Rebels was limited in some capacity by the fact that we knew that inevitably these characters were going to have to be taken off the playing field in some regard before A New Hope happened. And now we have this even more limited arena of taking place before the events of Force Awakens because the Poe Dameron comic has taken place extensively before the events of the Force, Force Awakens involving these exact characters. So and at the same time, we need more context of the first order. What's going on? Yeah, and this would be—I mean, if if I—holy crap! Like you mean, Dave Filoni gets to be the person who cleans up the mess of the new trilogy? Cleaned up some of the Clone Wars stuff. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) I'm in, but but also like kind of freaked out because if I if anything, I would I I thought Star Wars Resistance was gonna be um, uh, post Last Jedi, Hmm. not post Force Awakens. Anyway, this series centers on uh, Kazuda Ziano or Ziano, a young pilot recruited by the Resistance and tasked with a top-secret mission to spy on the growing threat of the First Order. It will also feature the beloved droid BB-8 alongside Ace pilots, colorful new characters, and appearances by fan favorites including Poe Dameron and Captain Phasma, voiced by Oscar Isaac and Gwendolyn Christie. So Filoni is uh, is the creator of this when he left Rebels mid last season which he didn't really leave exactly they just hadn't announced that it was over yet mm-hmm. <laughs> um he moved on to this and he says the ir- the idea for star wars resistance came out of my interest in world war ii aircraft and fighter pilots my grandfather was a pilot and my uncle flew and restored planes so that's been a big influence on me there's a long history of high-speed racing in star wars and i think we've captured that sense of excitement in an anime inspired style which is something the entire team has been wanting to do for a long time which comes back to another point that we made earlier in prior episodes is that we felt that when this inevitable 
fighter pilot show happens, it will be largely inspired by that one fan-made TIE fighter short film. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen any art from this yet. Not really. Just a logo um, with BB-8 and a ship. But I think this is this is saying, like, this is an anime-influenced show with, with pilots, you say? I've seen that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> Did they hire that dude? They may have hired that. I would have hired that dude. Yeah. I'm, Dave, oh, yeah I can just imagine people like, Dave, uh, you got to see this YouTube short. Oh, there's so many YouTube shorts about stuff. No, no. This is a fan made thing. You just got to see it. And then playing that and seeing his jaw drop. Yeah. My dreams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he held his hat in his hands and he crushed it. <laughs> <laughs> just ringed it in his hands. <laughs> We've got a lot of returning people from Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, art directions by Amy Beth uh, Christensen, executive producers, uh, Athena Portillo and Justin Ridge, but they're also bringing in Brandon Allman from Nickelodeon's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is cool. And we got a voice cast. I don't really know what to make of it at all. The top billing goes to Christopher Sean, who's from Days of Our Lives, Susie McGrath from EastEnders, Scott Lawrence from Legion, and uh, Myrna Velasco from Elena of Avalor. Um, I don't have much of a frame of reference for the vast majority of those folks. Um, but, but... This, there's like in in sort of what you would consider supporting cast billing. There's there are some known entities there, such as Josh Brenner from Silicon Valley, Donald Faison. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Tur- Turk from Scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Bobby Moynihan, uh, Jim Rash from Community. So that's I, that I'm excited about those supporting cast members. I don't know, maybe maybe major cast members. I don't know. I just know that people I didn't know were in front of them and they're in the back. We'll have to see if anyone comes back from Rebels. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, what? No. Something, no, no, something that, that kind of got lost in the shuffle that I forgot to bring up to both of you. Um, during, like, it was kind of the, everything was coming fast and heavy with the solo stuff, is there were two job postings on Lucasfilm, for Lucasfilm Animation. One was a, for a 3D animator, and another was for a production accountant that required them to to juggle multiple productions and multiple seasons. So it's very possible that there is a different 3D series in development that could continue the the story that's kind of the the, the Ahsoka through line. I don't know if the Ahsoka through line is going to continue in this show. Well, this can be anime influence and also be in 3D. Now, I speculate it's going to be a 2D, 2D show, but they haven't said that or not. I think it's going to be 2D because it's cheaper, but if they are hiring for a 3D person, who knows? Um, and, of course, when they say anime, typically that is 2D, but not definitively. True, but also I think I think requiring the production accountant to, to juggle multiple productions. And we all know oh, yeah. for the, the streaming like platform that they definitely want, like, you know, they want Star Wars content. And I think uh, they are. Did they establish that Resistance is coming to XD and not the the they streaming did. platform? Yeah, yeah. So I I feel like they they're going to have something animated for the streaming platform. And my my gut tells me that they may take a time out from the Ahsoka story for a little while. Hmm. I don't, I feel like you know you know how the Clone Wars didn't really come back until season two of Rebels. I feel like season two of Resistance, we're gonna see Sabine. Uh, I, Sabine's I don't request. know if they're gonna hold Thrawn back all the way for the Resistance. 
I think that's still an Imperial story. But it's an Imperial story that may involve the First Order. Maybe. I don't know. 30 years is a long time. It is a long time. It's a very long time, especially for a show that takes place, quote, just before the events of The Force Awakens. Right. I mean, ah- Ahsoka was missing for 13 years between Revenge of the Sith and uh, Rebels. So, I mean, you're talking about double that. You know, it's 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 a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. I'm just saying, Ahsoka disappears, shows up. She's like, you know, this like sage Jedi now. I'm thinking Ezra disappears, comes back, is is evil, comes back being bad. That's the only explanation. I'll kill you. I'm telling it, it. It lines up. You only want to kill me because it lines up and it makes. There's a lick of sense involved. If it was complete BS, you'd be like, oh, sure thing, Doug. Ha ha. Eh. I'll only accept it if he Snoke's boss. Snoke's boss. He's the one that pulls the strings. Yep. He trained Snoke. <laughs> It still kind of surprises me that they didn't adjust the timeline of the prior six films to make it more reasonable. I mean, the the thing they should have done was make the Clone Wars for sure longer, but also like maybe the gap between Empire and Jedi. And speaking of time gaps, one of the things that that further makes the time period for Resistance a little weird is that like not only has the Poe Dameron comic thoroughly established things happening in those moments just before The Force Awakens... Um, with this main character of this show nowhere in sight as far as I know. I mean, I, they could have been shuffled in the background and be like, whoa, look at this. Blow, your mind's blown. Yeah. Um, but the Poe comic has actually just taken a time jump. It's now post-Last Jedi. So, um, the, you know, they're they're not playing there anymore, For I guess for good reason. They're giving Resistance space. Yeah. But they didn't leave much room. <laughs> Do you think they're going to continue in that po- or it, like from what I understand, at least what I've been told, it's it's the, you know, what Black Squadron was up to during Last Jedi and, and the reason why they weren't around, or at least that's the the, the hints I'm getting from the Marvel, uh, you know, the kind of the blurbs. Mm-hmm. It, do you think that ongoing is coming to a conclusion or do you think they're going to let them play in that era for a little while? I, I don't know. Um, but I do recall a while back, Charles soul said, I can't believe they just approved the thing that they let me uh, do for, um, for Poe. Right. So mm-hmm. we're going to get a little bit more. It's still a well-selling comic. Um, and yeah, it could end at any point in time, but, but that takes us to episode nine because we actually have some things to say about that. And the the number one thing is that John Boyega mentioned in an interview with the Press Association, I can't wait to start shooting the next and final leg of the franchise. The first step is growing out my hair, so you can wait for the trailer to see why. And that is music to my ears, because that implies an actual time jump. Mm -hmm. What they should have done between the last two films that could have fixed so many things about the writing process for that Mm -hmm. movie. There's going to be a time jump, Thank the maker. <laughs> um, that and that we're means... going to be upset when we find out it's just because there's a uh, Finn clone because they did clone uh, some yeah. of the stormtroopers <laughs> and the clone has long hair. That it's like as a side effect of the suit he was wearing to heal him. It's like, oh, your skin regrows so fast, your hair regrows fast too. Pop. Okay. <laughs> Ugh. Well, I better, BB-8, help me shave this off. <laughs> like, little buzzsaw comes out. BB-8 such a switch army now. He he he'd have clippers, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, as a hair dryer, he's got everything. So 
basically i i think that definitively says there is a time jump and that's very exciting and that means that means that much like you know any of the other trilogy films there's actually a cool you know window of time to play around to develop things out to build a status quo for the galaxy in which this final conflict can take place and yes <laughs> it does have to bear the weight of dealing with tying up all the plot threads initiated by the first two films of the trilogy that are still very unresolved. And we all know JJ's really good at tying up loose plot threads. Yeah, he's he's an, he's known for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard a very nasty rumor that we could probably just say is speculation. Rumor is probably the wrong wrong word. But that episode 9 is actually going to be a two-part film. Pull pulling a Harry Potter on you? Mhm. Uh I sincerely hope not. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think I'd prefer two films that were good instead of like one three-hour movie that's blah. If they did nine and ten, and we're like, yeah, we know it's not a trilogy, but when does it ever matter that it was actually three films? I'd be like, yeah, that's fine, that's fair. Yeah, but uh, but not not if it's episode nine part one and episode nine part two. No, that's messed up. That's stupid. No, that's really stupid. <laughs> oh man, that's so stupid. They're gonna do that. <laughs> Pulling some Final Fantasy shit. Well, marketing wise, I think that's proven to be a big hit with, you know, I mean, they, they've constantly done that. What Harry Potter, Twilight, even like that's kind of how they've been marketing. Avengers. Well, actually, they just they initially did that with Infinity War and then did not do it with Infinity War, which I think proves that they are banking. Disney specifically thinks that that's actually a bad idea. Yeah. You can't say episode nine, part one, episode nine, part two. That's just crazy. Well, remember, they haven't really used the episode numbers very heavily in any of the marketing. I mean, these movies have been Star Wars The Force Awakens and Star Wars The Last Jedi. You don't really see right. 7 and 8 except anywhere for, except for they, fans talking about it well, in, but in even, the movie starting. But even before the title is revealed, even Disney refers to them as episode whatever. You know, like before, before it was Force Awakens, it was episode 7. Sure, but I'm just saying once... It's not like the prequels that were actually Star Wars colon episode one hyphen the Phantom Menace right, and right. episode two the attack. Like once the name of these films is out, you don't see Disney refer to them as seven or eight. Sure, sure. Anymore. Yeah. I mean, just so I long as in the it, title crawl it doesn't say episode nine part one. That's so yeah, dumb. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think I think their concern would be going to a part part one and part two and maybe not using that is. You know, they promised that this was a trilogy and that this is this saga's, you know, this generation's trilogy, but they may want another series, like another film with this core group. And so they don't want to make you think, oh, there's going to be a second trilogy with this group. You know, they just want to, you know, get in a fourth film. Well, I mean, George originally wanted to do like five movies with uh, with Han, Leia and, and Luke and Chewie and Lando, like after Empire, like. Return of the Jedi was just the final film like that. That's that's like four films combined into one because they wanted, right. you know, George wanted to have Boba Fett be like a bigger villain and Jabba the Hutt was an even bigger villain. And it was like a whole side thing. But meanwhile, they get distracted trying to save Han over the course of two movies and then coming back and doing the 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 big ending with the Death Star. I don't know. So it's like this. There's there's precedent for more than just three movies, you know, for like a core group of characters for a generation. I think also, you know, doing a part one, part two thing is, is helpful for production purposes. Cause like filming them back to back, 
you know, you can get everybody in and just, and then, you know, you can release them, you know, six to eight months after each other, as opposed to like, trying to get the clear, I think the reason why, I think the reason why infinity war went from infinity war part one to part two to just infinity war and then unnamed fourth Avengers film is because they weren't able to lock everyone in to film it all at once. And everybody had to go leave and, and come back later to do all the Avengers four stuff. So it ended up kind of being separate productions, so to speak. Huh. That's messy, <laughs> but that's a reasonable yeah. um, reason. Yeah. Uh, one other episode nine thing, which is very tangential, very weird. A unnamed source spoke with the New York Daily News saying inexplicably of all the things they could say about episode nine, that Yoda's returning and will mentor Ray out of the blue. I, this is like this well, if is, it's an anonymous source, it's got to be true. This is the most bottom of the barrel stuff, but kind of like you know, okay, sure, like Yoda, great. But we do know that from interviews, Frank Oz will will gladly come back for the voice, but has no interest in puppeteering ever again, and was actually shocked when they pulled out a Yoda puppet and were like, "Is this good for the for the uh, yeah. the Last Jedi?" <laughs> I love Frank Oz, but he's he's getting old, man. You got to fly him out there just for him to do the puppet thing again. Well, he said choreographing the scenes for Yoda is so like cumbersome. Yeah, that, like why would you do it? Yeah. So so that's that's the verdict on that. So yeah, sure, maybe maybe that's a thing. And if you did, you heard it here first, you know, <laughs> or on New York Daily News. <laughs> anyway, Forces of Destiny, the animated series on Disney's YouTube channel, has been very 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 spotty. But there's been some great episodes recently, actually. And as far as continuity goes, some crazy shit happened, folks. We're going <laughs> to li- link to all the, I guess, the second half of season two. Um, there's two awesome Star Wars Rebel shorts, one with Darksaber era Sabine and her brother, and one with Ahsoka and Blaster Saber era Ezra, um, which explains a little bit about where the saber came from, actually. Um, they're both great. Um, and if, if you want more, if you want more Rebels... Yeah, this feels for about you know two minutes. <laughs> these are, I think these are. Maybe I'm wrong, but these feel longer than normal. Hmm. They 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 have they have body and substance to them in a way that many Forces of Destiny shorts don't. Mm-hmm. So highly highly advise those. Also, super weird, the snow speeder chase on Starkiller Base that was deleted the deleted scene has been added back to continuity via Forces of Destiny. Nothing goes to waste. Nothing goes to waste. I'm wondering what's weird though is like. Deleted scenes from like Jakku and stuff like those made it into like the Force Awakens novel or were like flashbacks in the comic. But what's strange is like that Snowspeeder's chase never like made it back in anywhere until now. Yeah, the only place it was represented was in the action figures. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm actually really curious about how they assembled this. Like I'm I'm wondering, I don't know how much of it they filmed to begin with. I haven't really peruse the deleted scenes of the force awakens but i'm wondering like did they even need to record new voices for this did they already have adr from like finn and ray uh maybe is it and it was definitely already storyboarded (laughs) so like did they have to did did they have to do anything to make this i'm I'm curious (laughs) aside from you know actually animate it no matter what the answer to that question is we're not gonna see constable zuvio and forces of destiny so just don't even hold out. Hope. You don't know that, Doug. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty confident. Saying they, he and Ray have had some genuine moments in Star Wars Adventures. So like what? 
hanging out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hell, what a genuine moment. Hanging gr- out. <laughs> no, grumbling about things, interacting, talking about what a yeah. douchebag Unkar Plutt is, you know? Oh. They're they're the two like lawful good people in uh that area of Jakku. They have to hang out. It's like Do you do you like it here, Constable Zuvia? Don't you ever dream of going somewhere else? No. I love sand. It's so warm and it just covers you like a warm blanket. <laughs> hey man. D- don't talk trash about Zuvio. Just don't just don't. I didn't talk trash. I'm just saying don't expect him to be in it because uh, you know other people don't All care. Right. Here's my big takeaway from from these Forces of Destiny things. <laughs> uh Princess Kanisa from Ewoks is in two of these episodes. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah man it's it's ridiculous there's the little pink hooded ewok couldn't be anybody else it's definitely her um not named but wikipedia has these appearances listed in the canon section so it's on chopper enlists her to shoot down some tie fighters on the ghost oh god no <laughs> what and uh she also um uh she and Wicket are both talking to Luke and Leia. They're like, we got to reset our traps. And they're like, what What the hell? We defeated the Empire. What do we need to reset the traps for? We need to eat. <laughs> well, and this this hulking thing that looks vaguely like a Duloc, like it's as tall as an ATST. It starts trashing the forest. And, they're like, and it's this weird moment of like, oh, okay. So the Ewoks actually knew how to build these traps beforehand. These didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. These defenses are hunting maneuvers in place for killing giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is well, it's I mean, been established in the other you know yeah. movies that there's giant monsters ro- roaming around them. Them there. Well, that, I think that's what it was. I think it's it's a it's a Gorax from oh, is it a Gorax? From the Ewok films? Yep. Okay. It's been a while since I've watched the first uh, the first one. We're gonna have to watch both. Yeah, they, at they, some point. they yeah they they dragged like a lot of the like. Ewok cartoons and Ewok movies back into canon with the force <laughs> with the season of Force of Destiny, which is awesome. <laughs> and here's here's the deal. So I I looked up like the princess. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary Freaknik: The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You know, what's she been up to lately? Anything else? Yeah, actually. any Yeah. She got up to some stuff with Poe Dameron's mom in a 2017 book called Star Wars on the Frontline by Daniel Wallace. What? Yeah. yeah. Now she's a, a senator in the Republic Senate, the new Republic Senate. No, she did. She did take over for her dad. She's she's chief of the Ewoks in the future. I don't know where that's established. Maybe that story. I'm not sure. Oh sure. I mean, that, well, that I mean that that was that was her role in the cartoon, and she was a princess. Yeah, that's been that's just been confirmed somewhere in the new continuity. I don't know where, but she's a character. She's in there. <laughs> And I, I guess we got to check out on the front lines, which is like I think. Like oh, a, it was a it was a reference book. Oh, really? Interesting. I thought it was a novel. My mistake. Uh, no, I mean, Dan, yeah, no, Daniel Wallace, he, he does reference stuff, and yeah, it was came out after uh, uh, Rogue One. Huh. Well, uh, not in Forces of Destiny, but 
pertaining to pals from indoor all the same. Matt, you found something in the uh, Han and Lando book last shot. <laughs> yeah. In a, like a, a, a starport, Han and Lando push past a group of Teak. Now, the character Teak from the second Ewoks film, he's called Teak, but he is also a Teak. Yes. I didn't know that Teak was the plural form of Teak, like fish and fish. Well, the, the specific line is Han took off into the bazaar, pushing his way through a crowd of Teak and dodging a lumbering culp which is something that's never been referenced any other time than just there. Mm. And also in that same scene, and I'm just throwing this speculation out there to just get it out there. So if it's proven correct that it's on record, but they come across a Toydarian fortune teller. Uh huh. Has no wings. They looked like they were like amputated. If that Toydarian shows up in Batu as the, the toy shop owner that we've been hearing about, I just want to uh-huh. like put that out there. Yeah, I mean, that would make a lot of sense because one of the things we said is how, how are they going to have an animatronic toy Darien who's flying? Yeah. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. How does a toy Darien, I guess the toy Darien who doesn't have wings can sit on a hovercraft like Yoda did because, you know, they're not really made for walking. Yeah. Also interesting that it was a whole crowd of teak. And I don't know that's, I don't know that ever happened in the prior continuity that they're, you know, they ever spent time on an abundance of teaks. I, I don't think Teeks really showed up anywhere because I'm probably very wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure only featured in Ewoks and in Star Tours. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, just a brief aside with the uh, the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge theme park, the we mentioned in a past episode that there was a, a conference where they detailed some uh, uh, of the, the tech going into the Millennium Falcon ride in terms of the, the video tech. Well, the footage of that presentation has been released and we'll link to it on this episode's page. You will actually be flying the Millennium Falcon. So for that, they've created a super detailed 3d environment to fly around. in. And what they showcase here is a demo environment, but the fact that you could like bump into something and it would fall over. Right. Like there's uh, it's, this is going to be wild. This is like, this is a a ride, but an experience, but maybe also a video game. Yeah, they, they they haven't been very clear on how much control you actually have, but they're hinting that probably more than we're expecting. Yeah, and now uh, we're expecting quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in regards to comics, I've got a lot of comic stuff I want to talk about behind the blast doors in case you're following them and don't want spoilers. But um, I just want to say that Kieran Gillen is still killing it doing Star Wars. If you're not reading Star Wars comics... You should read these Star Wars comics. There's been some, some incredible stuff happening of synergy between Charles Soule's Vader and the Gillen storyline that's going on right now. So what's happening is it, Darth Vader takes place just after episode three. And the Darth Vader story is about taking down Mon Cala and like it, doing what they doing what the Empire can to place this prideful planet under their heel and there's there's jedi there like hiding out and there's all there's a there's king leechar from the clone wars and all these problems going around invaders there with um inquisitors it's a cool story but then simultaneous to the story in star wars they're telling the tale of how the rebels get mon cal into the fight after a new hope after the victory of the death stars and all the things based on what's happened in this Darth Vader story that's still ongoing, hmm. what they're having to do, the, the length they're having to go to to free 
that planet from tyranny and help the people feel comfortable having an uprising. Hmm. And they all they're all working synergistically with each other. And I've seldom seen something happen so um, so well like that in in like you know licensed comics especially. So what you want to do is you want to start with Darth Vader Volume Three, The Short Turn War. Um, that's that's um that's one of Gillen's era Darth Vader, not Charles Soule's Darth Vader that's going on right now. And then you're going to jump into Star Wars Volume 7, The Ashes of Jeddah, the first Gillen Star Wars volume. So you get all this establishment about some background characters pertaining to the mining guild in Darth Vader. And then you jump into this post A New Hope sidestep sequel thing to Rogue One. And from there, just take off. That's, that's all you need. And keep reading because Star Wars is so good right now. That is it. Before we go behind the blast doors, folks, you can follow me on Twitter at Cap Blackard. And I'm at Doug V. Banks. And I'm at Matthew Spill. If you do want to get spoilery, not just behind our blast doors, but also interacting online, we have a, not only is there, there's a Facebook page for State of the Empire, but we also have our Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group where we post all the latest stuff as it's happening, have discussions with you fine folks. And right now, we need to let you know that this show could not be possible without your support. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. We're but one Star Wars podcast in a whole galaxy of Star Wars podcasts. And if we are to have any kind of relevance in this cockamamie world, you are our only hope. So please do rate and review us on iTunes. Or also check out Podchaser, where you can not only rate and review series, but also tag them for future people to discover them. And also rate and review specific episodes. And if you really like us, then consider throwing some money our way. We are still recording from the nerdy show network studios so the funds that you contribute towards the nerdy show network we might be a consequence show now but our fund money at state of the empire our production costs are still pertaining to us operating as an adjacent podcast of the nerdy show network so do go to patreon.com slash nerdy show and consider donating at least a dollar and there's all kinds of state of the empire perks that are also there deleted scenes and well, not scenes, but deleted conversations, extended discussions, and so on and so forth. But now, it's time to open the blast doors. Open the blast doors! Open the blast doors! I'm going to start with Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron 25. This is a pretty monumental moment here, because for the entirety of the Poe Dameron series, he's been looking for Lor Senteca. And I assumed, like I think most people assumed, that the end of that quest happened on Jakku at the beginning of The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Totally fucking wrong. Poe Dameron actually successfully retrieves Lor Senteca. And he interacts with Leia. He interacts with Poe. And then Lor's like, oh, you're looking for Luke? I don't know where he is, but I have some ideas. Give me a ship and I'll go take care of it. And that's where that happens. Hmm. So then following issue 25, that's where things jump ahead to post The Last Jedi. Hmm. But in this process, like everything revolving around Lor Senteca in this series has given a lot of emphasis to some things that we were thinking about in the orbit of The Last Jedi and what is exactly happening with the Force in the new trilogy and how nothing really works the way we expect it to and everything's very polarized and crazy. And certainly, I mean, it's very likely that this is a no prize on Charles Soule's part, the writer of like, you know, helping make the Star Wars universe work a bit more. But his work has also been very heavily informed by collaborating with the story group, and this might all be, you know, just the right place for this information. Um, so at the start of issue 25, 
Lorsenteca was previously kidnapped by Terex, posed nemesis for lack of a better word. And in order to hide Tekka from anyone discovering where he is, Terex dumped him in a spacesuit and left him, left him to drift in the stars with only him being able to like know where his beacon was to go pick him up. So Lore's out there thinking he's going to die. And he's recording a monologue, and it gives all this clarity to the nature of the Force in, in specifically the time of the new trilogy. He says, I cannot touch the Force. I can only study it. And so all of my conclusions might be wrong. But I think in some ways that the distance has helped me move towards an understanding. I see the Force differently than a Jedi might. Even if I cannot touch it, I can certainly say that the Force touches me, as it does all beings. It moves like the sea. It has tides. Sometimes it recedes from the galaxy, and its influence can barely be felt, and then it rushes back, and the great certainties become uncertain, and all is change. It's as if, when the Force is prominent, those who see it can reshape the galaxy as they choose. I believe we are about to re-enter such a period now. Force-related sights across the galaxy have become active, expectant. Something is coming. Light and dark will battle yet again. I've lived long enough to know this. Either side can win. Pretty cool. Yeah, I thought so. I want to hear Max von Sydow read it. I know, and I really considered trying to do a Max von Sydow impression, but I, I just... No one can. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been an embarrassment to all of us. But if you could just be an impressionist, then you could play... Oh, yeah, Max that'd be just as good. Yeah. In, a, ...in a prequel film. May as well, right? <laughs> and then we can get Disney to hire, you know, an acting coach, you know, to you know iron out any of the uh, other problems. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's like like magic. Yeah. Well, just guaranteed to work. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> when when Lore meets with Leia, um, you know, she asks him to track down Luke and uh, and he's like, yeah, OK, give me a ship and uh, and I'll take care of it. But before he does that. He has a conversation with Poe and they hadn't really had a moment to have like they hadn't they'd known that they were like in the orbit of each other, but had never had like a real moment together. This is what he says to Poe. Everything does not hinge on Luke Skywalker despite what his sister believes. Oh, the Jedi is important, certainly, but he is not everything. Fate does not revolve entirely around lightsabers and those who wield them. And then he, he looks up to the stars and he says, it all seems so enormous, no? Immense, unending, but it's not. The trick is not to think about the void. Think about the lights. Do you know what binds all those lights together? And Poe says, I don't have to be a Jedi to know that. The Force. And Lore says, in a way, but I've come to see it differently over time. Look again. He says, us. The Force is all of us. And then Lore affirms that. So that points to that the broom boy message of things. Mm -hmm. That the, 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 the changing nature of the Force, the, the nobodies who become somebody, individuals like Poe Dameron who grew up in the shadow of a Force tree and has been influenced in, in ways heretofore unexplained, but severely hinted at since he's such a good pilot and seems to be riding on luck alone. Granted that this is, of course, still, in terms of riding, the Poe Dameron who didn't inadvertently kill the entire Resistance, basically, but, you know... <laughs> That reminds me of good expanded universe prequel era stuff of like looking at the mixed messaging as like the movies continue to change and then like adapting prequel like stuff that takes place beforehand to sort of like better fit with like 
you know, Force Awakens was taking us in one direction and Last Jedi kind of put a big kibosh on that. And then this is a good way to kind of like mesh it all together just before <laughs> Force Awakens starts. Like, and it's yeah. pretty good. I like it, actually. Yeah, I, I did, too. I was I Charles Soule. He's a good writer. And this this whole 25 issue journey of Poe and lore, it's gone to a lot of different places, but it feels so very valid. Um, mm-hmm. Like spe- specifically that storyline culminating in 25, in addition to developing the characters of black squadron and enough that I'm really excited because I think that soul's work is going to be highly reflected in star Wars resistance. How could it not? Right. But now let's move on to something very fucking different. Dr. Afra, specifically issue 18. This book is crazy. Dr. Afra is a bad person. Things are so <laughs> nuts in this book. Okay, so <laughs> Afra has kidnapped Hera. Hera is being used as a hostage, as collateral. Um, they're trying to get into this place called Hive Base One, which is a classified Tarkin Initiative facility for Imperial R&D. Um, Afra has been rolling with a group of mercenaries, one of whom is partially cybernetic and is missing his head entirely, but somehow functions mentally 100% fine. So he's like, yeah, it's weird. He's like, he's a thick, <laughs> he's a thick dude with no head um, and can store weapons inside of his body like a, like one of those Ninja Turtle action figures, the storage shell turtles. Um, anyway, so she says, hey, that's some pretty neat cybernetic work. Who did this? And the answer, Dr. Cornelius Evazen. Uh, oh, boy. No, 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 no. <laughs> This this is this is Kieran Gillen and Simon Spurrier attempting to fix the Rogue One problem. Um, so at this point in continuity, um, currently has a death sentence in thirteen systems for within this Doctor Afra book. So his death sentence gets lifted. I guess I don't know. Um, the wait, wasn't it twelve systems in the movie? Yeah, it was twelve. So it's, so it's, I think th- it's, it's thirteen one now. Extra. Mm-hmm. Um. So he's described as a self-declared tech flesh artist, peddler of kidnap and experimentation. They say he never stops until victims are begging for death just so he can say no. One of the mercenaries says, I tracked him to Jeddah. Evazen had built a host of mutilated cyber slaves, the first of the decraniated, which is something that we brought up ages mm-hmm. ago mm-hmm. from the Rogue One art book of these things in the background of the Jetta sets of people who whose faces were kind of sliced off at the nose and above. Yeah. And they're just like, like Lobot to the nth degree. Yeah. So this guy, this cybernetic dude missing his head entirely, but it's still being 100% functional, uh, is a prototype for the decraniated. He was an early experiment. And he and his partner... We're trying to hunt down Evazen. They said they they were on Jeddah. They missed him by seconds. We had to evac when the Imperials used some hellish new device to destroy the city. So it's still like it's a tight fit, but apparently, you know. Oh, that explains everything. It doesn't. Yeah, it that doesn't. fixes my problem with Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also weird because we get, you know, on the one hand, Evazen comes off as just like a drunk with an ego. Yeah, the, the, the whole my problem with it isn't. Wait a minute, someone's Doctor Evazon and Pondababa are there, and no one's there to catch them. That 
that wasn't my problem. My problem was that they were there to begin with. The fact that it's just like you bump into them and it's the exact same scene. But whatever, it, you know, is what it is. At the very least, there's the explanation of like there were evacs happening for some reason sure. somehow. You know, like yeah. at, at I mean, the very least. Assume, well, we assumed that anyway because they're alive in that and, movie, and, and the, two hours later the planet blows up. And the decraniated have some kind of a presence in the mythos now that isn't like totally amorphous, like as right. a background feature that was n- underused. Sure. Um. So then things just as a, just as a fun aside to how crazy Afra gets also. Once they get to Hive Base 1, it's full of biological and cybernetic weapons and cold storage. Rejects that they describe as too expensive to mass produce and too successful to purge. Such as Hut clone troopers and a Wrath Tar melded with an interrogation droid. What? <laughs> so that's a beholder. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it's, it's this... And you just see this room full of crazy shit that doesn't make sense. Hive Base didn't feature in the, like... The Vader um, comic run, the the kind of experimentation guy that had the Jedi that I I can't remember his name. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, I don't think so, but it's the different different kind of Imperial research. Base. I mean, that thing was that was that one that was that one guy's work. That was his like private right. work that he did for the Imperials to some degree. I'm sure his work is you know was commissioned and stored in Hive Base One. From time to time, but he, I mean, that guy was operating in like a, a space whale that he'd enslaved and other kinds of crazy stuff. Like he had his own thing going on. We got to play I Age of the about, Empire sometime. Why is that? Just, I, I want the three of us just to be able to play in this, in this world and see the weird shit and have it make sense in some crazy way. <laughs> I want it just, you turn the corner and there is a Wrath Tar interrogator droid combo. It's a beholder! Beholder! Actually, actually, that's what I would like my player character to be, is a Wrath Tar melded with an interrogation. <laughs> Cap will play the decraniated. And, uh... Oh, that sounds entertaining. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so the Game Master just sort of tells me what to do, and I do it. Yeah. <laughs> You get to roll the dice to see if what I say happens, you know, like cool. <laughs> Have you speak through a voice modulator because it's, you know, sure. Well, that was not great. Uh, well, you didn't have a voice modulator. Well, yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, let's talk about solo. <laughs> so we're going to we're going to link to a bunch of shit. We've got some images to share. First of all, re- this is a pretty recent thing. There was a, a tweet with an image of like Han and Chewie in chains a la those action figures we'd seen going back a ways. Also in the same setup that they had in Rogue One where they were taking those rebel pilots away. It was the same thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, similar similar Nothing goes wasted. Yep, yep. <laughs> the, 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 but, the handcuffs that go up to the neck. But behind them in the shadows crouching about to like, I don't know, move through a, a narrow passage or I don't know or maybe it's not even a person, but there is you can clearly see the armor that Lando wears in Jabba's palace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know if someone's wearing this armor or... It, it looks like Donald Glover. It Couldn't it just be armor that's been on the Falcon for just such a disguise, you know? Uh, sure, sure. I, but I think it's like it's kind of a... If you're a smuggler and you're doing like weird things and, and having to have... You have to go incognito into some weird scum and villainy places, it would help to have a weird set of freaky thrown together junk that you can blend in with the crowd, you know, because you can't, oh, I'm, I'm, Le- I'm sure I just, but once again, do we have to see it in this movie? I guess that's the no, more important no, the, thing. The, obviously no, but you know, Lando 
easily stands out in most crowds. <laughs> like, like he's he's fly. Like he, the, the, everything about him is just like his his outfits are too cool. Like all eyes are on him all the time. So he needs to have something. I mean, you should you should see the description in last shot of him picking out his outfit for like a fancy banquet. Like he's actually like looking at the pants like, hmm, this will give me like slight bulge and like a hint of an ass. Like he's actually like <laughs> that's a thought process going into Lando's it. head. Sure. And what's crazy is I'm like, whoa, Star Wars like novel writing has changed over the years because like <laughs> like Del Rey pre Disney would never have considered such a passage. But like no, this they, one's they'd just only they'd allow, up. but they'd gladly allow it to happen with Princess Leia and Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a strange one because that that really was like the only time. I mean, this like, I mean, you know, and Lando's thought process is like as he's like talking to an imperial like vice governor, it's just like, oh yeah, we're gonna be like naked embracing in the Falcon's cabin later, you know? Like, like wow, this is this is great. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. The Jabba's palace disguise thing is just. It's weird. It's super weird. It's one of the like I don't. It's one of the biggest. I don't know how to feel about this thing so it's far. Only, if, it, if it is in there for that reason, it's just gonna. It's only there because I clapped. I clapped when I recognized what it's from. I, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what I'm like the the greatest hits movie as we're you know always worried about. Even though I I tend to think this movie is going to be freaking awesome. Like Doug, what is what is the greatest hits moment that would make you walk out of this movie? <laughs> huh. Like there's got to be one. Uh, I honestly, I've been avoiding thinking about stuff like that, um, because I want the fresh stuff. Uh huh. I mean, uh, I have to think. I'm gonna have to get back to you on that one because I, I really, I really. Okay. There's, there's so many things I don't want to see happen. To pick one that's uh-huh. like I would walk out. I don't know. I honestly don't think there's any one thing that there's no one thing that could get me to walk out of the theater. I'll think of one. <laughs> If, if, yo, oh, we can move. We can move if on. You can, and I'll yeah, if, on. if you name one that you think, Doug, how about this? Feel free to throw it at me, pitch me, and I'll let you know if I if I walk if I walk out or not. Okay. <laughs> um. So it's it's it is an odd thing. We 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 have seen. Ron Howard sent a photo of Lando's closet, and we didn't know what to make of it. Like, but turns out that's actually a thing in the set. Donald Glover, when he does the the Falcon tour, he shows Lando's closet. It's there. It's a thing. There's it's full of outfits. That's awesome. That's that's the real deal. And then also, there's a recent Forces of Destiny episode where Leia acquires her Boosh outfit between Empire and Jedi. Yeah. And and so now inexplicably, though it didn't really need to happen, we have both outfits explained in theory. Yeah. How odd. Um, next up, Clint Howard. Will, will obligatory be in his brother's films? And so he is. In this case, uh, Ron says he, if this was Rocky, he'd be the Burgess Meredith of the underground droid battle world. Yeah. Um, rub- got to hit him. <laughs> <laughs> he rubs L3 the wrong way and is part of her introduction in the film. Um. We have, since the last episode, seen a Funko Pop 2-pack featuring a couple of quote-unquote fighting droids who look dope as fuck, and some, there's some, we don't really, we really have zero details on this, but there's some battle droid component of the place where they meet Lando in the film. Yeah, um, in Last Shot, L337's introduction, when she shows up on screen to talk to Lando, um, makes some joke about 
droids rights and l3 gets offended and lando's like no look i i know that's like very important to you and she's like it is very important to me so i imagine that might be what rubs l3 the wrong way is these droids being used as you know fighting droids so i think that's where that's going to fit in i think it's interesting now clint howard being in good company with simon Pegg as being one of the few people on the planet who are both in star wars and star trek <laughs> True. Um, in the in the solo featurette, there's one scene that sticks out like crazy from the rest of everything else. It's blue hued, and it's Han and Moloch and maybe Quay Tulsite, who's one of the Pike Syndicate, which is confirmed by his his Lego minifig bio. Um, that's a that's a Clone Wars era thing that's never been represented in live action media before. So it's basically Han and some aliens with geometric headdresses in this subterranean sewer space. Like there's a gang with them and Han's being forced to confront a caterpillar person who comes out of the water. Yeah, that was a weird thing. It's yeah. really brief and it's super cool looking and it exactly is exactly the kind of shit that has thus so far not appeared in any of the other Star Wars movies from this era. So I mean, they kind of the Bogullet kind of you know. Well, kind of, except this is a person. Yeah. This isn't. This is an alien person. It seems like this. This thing's wearing clothes. Um. And the Bomar monks, kind of, through you know legacy stuff, I guess, but yeah, not really, you know. But it's uh, it's exciting to see. I mean, I just <sighs> this movie's gonna be a lot of things, but it's also just gonna have a lot of weird space stuff, which is one of my favorite things about any Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially different space stuff, not obligatory cantina sequences. Right. Oh God, I don't want another cantina. That's. I guess that's another thing. I. I it wouldn't make me walk out, but I'm tired of the cantina. I'm tired of enter a place. Look at all the weirdos and the. It's like that's just the cantina theme. <laughs> like you're not fooling anybody. It's the same thing. Well, I mean, it is going to happen in some regards in the weird pub in the in the alps and and in every obligatory cantina scene there's never an alien that you see from another film it's always all new aliens all here not in other cantinas we don't we don't see any anyone reprise anything we need more twi'leks i think the importance is is why are you doing it are you doing it because you're just trying to you know strike the usual chord or are you trying to give us an idea of what it's like actually to live in this universe Hmm. yeah that is important but it does seem like a cool scene so far, though similarities it may have to prior scenes because it is a very different kind of cantina environment and is very much on the fringes, like well beyond the scope of what is going on in the other films. One of the biggest things we've seen the most of recently are war scenes on Mimban. We speculated in the past about like, what are these war sequences? What's going to like, did Han go to battle? Is that is that what's going on? And actually, the plot has thickened because, yes, these are taking place on Mimban and yes, Han is a mud trooper deployed as like seemingly imperial infantry or something, you know, like a meat puppet out mm-hmm. there in the trenches. But he bumps into, and we didn't we didn't see this coming a mile away, Beckett and Val in disguise. Because mm. like we knew in the Lego minifigures, like Beckett was labeled as being in disguise, but turns out Han wasn't. Yeah, it was just Beckett. And we have these trading cards now, a whole bunch of trading card images, which we'll link to on this episode's page, many of which feature, like, and you can see some of this in the trailer, you, uh, or various trailers that have come out now, 
Beckett and Val there on the ground, Val being a mud trooper. But yeah, they're they're there for some nefarious means, and somehow they get looped in with Han, and then somehow Han, I guess, gets pegged as a deserter or gets in trouble somehow, and then goes to prison with Chewbacca. Yeah. It's like, it, it seems that he's going to try out to be a pilot, but he gets kicked out for having a mind of his own, as he says. From there, they're like, all right, to punish you, you're going to be a mud trooper now, you know, because you can't be a pilot because you're too much of a smart ass. So now you're a mud trooper. And then when you fuck up as a mud trooper, you go to jail. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you have to share a cell with a big hairy Wookiee. And there's a scene on Mimban where he says, I'm a driver. I'm a great pilot. And this is a con- uh, this is presumably him talking to Beckett while on Mimban. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how this all pans out. It's like, take me with you, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Uh, um, there's also one other thing that I want to bring up before we get into the, the actual timeline with Monopoly. This is not a, a new observation, but it's one we haven't discussed on the show. In the first trailer for Solo, like the teaser, we see two shots that have been repeated often. There's a shot looking from from low, looking up at Han, looking up at the Falcon, and there's the wide aerial shot of Han and Kira schlepping across the desert to go to presumably the coastline where they're having that conversation with Beckett. Chewbacca was not originally in those shots, yeah, but has since been added into those shots seamlessly, I might add. You'd never know he wasn't there, but now he's schlepping behind Han and Kira holding some suitcases yeah. and is there alongside Han looking up at the Falcon. I don't know what to make of this. Yeah. Like, no one really does. Like, everyone assumes that it's attributed to the differences between, like, the Lord Miller version and the Ron Howard version. But if it's putting Chewbacca into sequences where he wasn't formerly a part of them... How does that work? Right, because the the script did not change. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't... I mean... And I'm wondering if maybe... Maybe Chewbacca was in those shots or was in versions of those shots, but they chose to not use those shots because that was like they wanted to spotlight Han Solo. I'm not sure. I, I don't I really don't know what to make of it. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll have to have I'm sure this is something that's not going to be answered just by watching the movie. No. So once the movie comes out, we're going to have to figure out, like, OK, did they add Chewie in or was Chewie removed in the, from the trailers? Right. Which, and, and then where do those shots take place in the sequence of the film? Right. Were they always at those places in the sequence of the film? Is there a way to do those sequences without Chewbacca? And how would I, that have been put? I got to feel that it's easier to remove Chewbacca than it is to add him in. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I don't because it's pretty good. I mean, the, the trailer looks like he belongs. You yeah. Know? And unless they want to add him, unless they like bump that up to the beginning of the movie for some crazy reason, and then suddenly Chewie's just in the background all the time and <laughs> not being acknowledged, where it's just like, I don't know, like just Photoshop in a big furry chest, you know, with a heads out of frame where every time you're looking at Han, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But let's talk about Monopoly, huh? <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Yeah, the the game the game of Monopoly. Everyone loves Monopoly. Everyone loves playing Monopoly and has a great time. Always. At, always playing Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> um and and boy, nothing says I have fun playing Monopoly like buying yet another version of Monopoly. Another Star Wars version of yeah. Monopoly. Yeah. Um so, but this this does appear, you know, not all Monopoly boards that are that are licensed pertaining to something always have the continuity of the film mm. laid out in the structure of the Monopoly board. That's not a that's not a given. 
and should not be taken as a given in this case. However, in this case, maybe it's because the they, the film doesn't backtrack; it only goes straight forward. The you know from from planet to planet to planet to planet. Mm-hmm. This does appear to be in sequence. Mm-hmm. So in the light blue section, we have the recruitment center, the Imperial Academy, and the training facility. It notably omits a lot of the like early Corellia street rat stuff that we know is in the film. No one wants to buy that anyway. <laughs> um, but interesting, because like, I mean, I wonder... I want to build a hotel in the Imperial Recruitment Center. <laughs> it's like, what? How is this? This doesn't make sense, Monopoly. <laughs> That's for mom and dad. They say goodbye to their to their babies. Like they, stay the night. This way they don't have to make a hyperspace jump that early. So soon saying goodbye. <laughs> you have a continental breakfast and you're on your way. <laughs> In fact, you can, uh, for the continental breakfast, we got, uh, we got uh, coaxial uh, crystal pancakes. We got... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, mean, you mean co-reactor pancakes? Co- co-reactor pancakes. We got your, uh, got your two moon... Skillet. Uh, skillet. <laughs> You want them crystals in your milkshake? We got that too. Your blue milkshake. <laughs> so, it I I don't know. I'm curious if we'll if we'll see those like we see we see the recruitment tra- center in the trailer. I don't know how much they're gonna linger, or is it, it going to be montage? This you know academy training facility. This is this key art that's just getting you know popped in there that we don't spend any time on, or are we like seeing Han in school for a while? I don't know. It'd be cool to get a little background on what it's like to you know train to be a stormtrooper or a pilot. Yeah, if they're ever going to do it, now's the time. It's not when I would have suspected, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, they, they did a little bit of the pilot stuff in Lost Stars, but, you know, obviously a movie version is a lot more visceral. It would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. The training of stormtroopers is like, we can't afford to give you all blasters now. The only time you're ever going to fire your blaster is if you're in combat for the first time. So here, just hold <laughs> this stick and go pew, 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 and uh, move on to the next part of your training. <laughs> the brown section is battlefield which has mud troopers in the graphics so presumably this this all represents mimban mm-hmm. and the pen which star wars newsnet suspects is where han and chewie are held captive is that the go to jail card as well or whatever the uh like the go to jail section well it would be it would be next to the go to jail so you think like maybe escaping kessel with uh with chewbacca is like Oh, I can do the kessel run cuz I had to fucking escape that shit like escape alcatraz I don't think it's kessel I initially I it, thought it was. Yeah, I think it's it's like kind of temporary prison barracks on Mimban. Hmm. But then why would Shuey be there? We don't know. Uh, it could be just Wookiee slave labor. I- I'm actually curious. Something we haven't really discussed is what is the Empire doing on Mimban that a they're at like they're in active battle. So who are they fighting? Because the rebellion isn't really like a formalized thing at this point. That's and, a very uh, good question. Could be it could be and, any any citizens. I mean, like if if Mimbon, I don't I don't we don't if Mimbon has a uh, you know, its own army or whatever, I, who knows. Well, it's interesting cuz cuz Mimbon's never been it, it was kind of a backwater world before. And it still very well could be. And and also, you know, and, and maybe it's just like, you know, guerrilla style locals. Yeah. But also, if they need Wookiee slave labor, what are they building there? Right. And if they're harvesting, is it is this another ground for harvesting Kyber, perhaps? Because that's a, that's a good point, too, because that is what Mimban is famously known for. Was Maybe Chewie's the, building the, the co-reactor. Chewie's <laughs> building the co-reactor. He knows but, engines. And also, 
Beckett and Valor there undercover, which is presumably they want something a very fucking dangerous min- mission. So whatever's going on there has to be hella important. Yeah. Wonder if they're stealing Kyber crystals for Dryden Voss. I have no idea. Yeah, it's gosh. I mean, there. That's one of the, this is one of the biggest question marks of the film. Is like, is these these key plot elements? We now know where people are, how they're moving around. We don't really know the motivating factors. We don't know the MacGuffins at play, but we're starting to have more of a clue. The pink section is the den, which is speculated to be Dryden Voss's hangout that we've seen in many of the trailers. Seems legit. A spaceport, and then, much to everyone's surprise, a TIE fighter factory. Hmm. The um, uh, Star Wars Newsnet speculates that they need to steal a cargo hauler from the TIE fighter factory, and that's the sh- the cargo hauler is the thing uh, piloted by Rio Durant, John Favreau's character. Oh, is that the thing that we see uh, kind of like on Vandor possibly heading to or from the Conveyx train? Yeah, exactly that. Okay, got it. So that would be a, a heavy load industrial imperial fighter that has good, sp- or not fighter, but like freighter that has good speed that can do atmospheric stuff that they would need for the heist. So they have to steal it from the, imp- I mean, that's another whole another facet. Okay. So, so no, Jack the heist the, for the heist. Yeah. Jack, a, Jack, a car from the Imperials from their fucking tie fighter factory mm-hmm. to go then steal from the conveyx. And who knows who that belongs to? Mm. Oh, if it belongs to Jabba. Oy. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are stormtroopers firing at them on the conveyx, right? Yeah. The range yeah. troopers. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's Imperial. Why don't they just fly it over? Why they got to use the train? I don't know. That's and good, then and then question. <laughs> Beckett is when does Beckett really tell Han about the mission? There's been some speculation of like how the trailers are edited because like there's the scene where they're kind of getting their mission briefing on the planet with the beach that is also the planet with the Alps as far as we know and that's where it appears he's giving the mission briefing but in theory they're also getting the mission from Dryden Voss. That's a bit mushy because then we go to orange, the orange section where we have campsite where Han gets his blaster bridge, which we don't know about, but must have something to do with the conveyx and then the impound. So that's the who knows. I don't I don't know what to make of that. But what, what it does suggest is that the heist is first. Then there's the confrontation with Infus because they were both targeting the same hall. So then the the rivalry between the nemesis relationship happens because the Skyriders are trying to get the same thing that Beckett's team is trying to get. Beckett's team gets it, or maybe the Cloud Riders get it. Either way, there's an inevitable confrontation with the Cloud Riders after the, the Conveyx thing because the red section is Chase, followed by Refinery Canteen, followed by the coast. The coast is where the showdown with Enfys happens. I found out what it was that it would make me walk out of the theater. <laughs> if what they're trying to steal from the conveyx is the lost ark. Oh, well, okay. I mean, that's not a legit greatest hit. I think the best I'm going to be able to do, Doug, and I'm sure there is something, but the best I'll be able to do while we're recording is if Han has a moment in the cantina where he gets in trouble and Beckett's got to bail him out. And then Beckett's like, here's a tip for you, kid. Always shoot first. Yeah, I mean that that would I would groan. I would groan out loud and really, Yeah, you wouldn't walk out. Yeah, I wouldn't but. walk out, but like everyone in in a 
everyone in my vicinity would be like, "Who shut that guy up?" Because they would go, "Ugh!" <laughs> and I would like. Meanwhile, but Doug, be like, Doug, here, here's the thing: yeah. no one would hear you groan because everyone would be cheering and clapping and hooting yeah. because they <laughs> yeah. they made a reference. I would, I would really, oh, I would feel really if in that scene where he gets like held up and Beckett has to come in and help. Uh, mm-hmm. If it is just Greedo, <laughs> like if Greedo's like, ah, oh, even solo. better, blah, 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 solo. and Beckett's like, Greedo, I think someone's got someone on the holophone needs you. Oh, I better go. It's Jabba. Oh, it's Jabba. And he leaves. And he's like, all right, kid, let's get out of here. Take it from me. Next time, just shoot him. You know, then I'd be like, oh, my God, that in combination, I'd be tempted. <laughs> yeah. If, <laughs> someday, if Greedo. Greedo. Yeah. You're going to get yours someday, Greedo. <laughs> <laughs> There's a possibility that the thing in the convex is something called coaxium. That was something that appeared on some sort of a card game that featured equipment that's either coming out or has come out pertaining to Solo. If it's coaxium, then, my friends, maybe we ha- start to have the answer about where the hell the co-reactor pancakes come from. Yeah, coaxium. <laughs> yep. Now that's where we're going to cheer and everyone's going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's the same thing as take this fight to the skies. I was pumped for take this fight to the skies. I was ready to cheer <laughs> and have no one else understand why, but didn't happen. So. Well, okay, hold on. If if a stormtrooper says let's take this fight to the skies and then activates a jetpack, everyone's cheering. They don't have to have a point of reference. It's like traitor. Yeah, it's true. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't even know what the traitor thing was going to happen, and we were like, oh, oh shit! Like this is great. <laughs> it's great when just when an anonymous trooper behind a mask just says, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to stand out. I'm a tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um the uh the yellow section is the tavern the droid arena and the back room which is presumably where the sabacc game happens which scares me to think that lando doesn't appear until like the last third of this film but that does appear to be the case uh, the timing could be very different depending on all this you know uh, yeah i mean you know proportionate proportionately in terms of planets visited but if they spend more time on this but it's crazy that yeah the convex chase and all that's and the cloud riders and all that business doesn't happen until something goes wrong. But you see, presumably they, they either lose something or need to get something back, or or the the deal changes, right. and that's when they need Lando and they need a fast ship. Yeah, and the full Sabak scene that was screened at CinemaCon, you can watch the end of that scene in the 360 presentation. But the important parts is that Kira explains that the smuggler they're going to see, he's retired. He's a sportsman, and he really loves his ship, which he himself won in a game of Sabak. So when the scene opens to Lando, he's telling a story about sleeping with an Imperial spy, but not knowing that she's an Imperial spy, which is fun. And Han gets in the game. So then there's the Han name mispronunciation thing, which I'm not really sure about, because Lando says, like, I'm a lucky guy, Han, but he pronounces it Han like hand. hand. Yeah, like hand. Lucky guy, hand. Which is, which is how he, Billy D says it in... yeah. The original trilogy. And then Han says, it's Han, like Dawn. Let's do the chance to save Han. <laughs> that's where it's from, yeah. Yeah. So that that's an odd moment. Then there's a montage where they're like, you know, gambling and things are getting crazy. There's one thing that sounds, it sounds super cartoony the way it's described. They, they described a, a shot where an alien chomps his nails like a buzzsaw. Yeah. <laughs> which is like total Looney Tunes. Yeah. I don't, it was, is it going to play out like fun? I mean, hey, Slapstick comedy is okay, but how goofy is it really? Um, mm-hmm. And then the, then the 360 scene starts, so that's that's the gist of it. Yeah, holding out hope for all of it being cool, but if Greedo is in it and there's a reference to shooting first, that's uh, that's uh, that's grounds for walking out. I don't know if I would. 
<laughs> but it's it's oh, it'd be tough. It'd be tough to sit through. So this puts us in the home stretch because there's there's only two colors left, and one and one of them doesn't really uh, matter for shit. And that is we got the green, which is Operation Center Landing Platform Spice Mines. Hmm. So okay, the the final deal, whatever it is, involves the spice mines of Kessel. Hence the Kessel mm-hmm. Run, because then the blue section, which would be Park Place and Boardwalk, is the Kessel Run and Millennium Falcon. Put a hotel in the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Disney is going to try and do it somehow. So that sort of stages for me that there's going to be a lack of locations at the very least in this final section of the film. Once they get Lando, they're spending the bulk of their time on the ship or doing the stuff in Kessel where there's some kind of big uprising because we've seen this like weird kind of riot sequence with L337 saying, I'm so glad we took this job and mm-hmm. so on. So yes, he is a third act element for the most part, but depending, it might just be that the, the film stops traveling so much mm-hmm. or is in a perpetual state of traveling. Therefore, most of it takes place on the ship at that point. It would make sense, especially if they, you know, if the if the train heist doesn't go their way, and oh no, uh, Enfys Nest got the thing that we're after. Oh, now we're stuck. We're abandoned because our thing was, you know, destroyed. And it's that typical uh, end of Act Two before Act Three darkest moment. Mm-hmm. You know, where they're usually you're not traveling somewhere. You know, it's like we have to sort of work something out first, and then you spring back into Act Three with something. So. That makes sense, I, but it would suck if we didn't get to see Lando until like late Act Two. Also, I mean, there's a possibility that the movie is not told linearly. True. Yeah, that's true. And we don't know what the Operation Center or the landing platform are. That could both be, Anything. you know, Kessel things. But to what end? I don't know. I mean, there could be places where we spend a lot of time. Boring though they sound. Hard to say. So that's all we know so far. We only have one more official episode of State of the Empire on the books before Solo happens. That's going to be coming out May 21st, and then the film comes out May 25th. We'll be seeing it the night of May 24th, and you can expect us to be releasing an episode promptly. In fact, the entire State of the Empire gang will, for the first time ever, be seeing a Star Wars film together in the same place. Yeah, so not only are we going to have a good time, but we're going to be able to promptly record this instead of doing it in the middle of the night. After some pancakes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get we're going to get some co-reactor pancakes and then we're going to do the review. <laughs> do it live from Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> Denny's if you want to sponsor. <laughs> but um in the past our final episode before the movie comes out, we 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 get all the pieces. We have all the information. We might actually have that this time. But we'll see. At the very least, it's also pretty near to the official 30th anniversary day of Willow. So our Willow Watch content is going to resume shortly. Brace yourselves for that, and may the Force be with you. State of the Empire is a production of the Consequence Podcast Network. Check out our expanding roster of music, film, and television podcast programming at consequenceofsound.net. This show is recorded and produced in Orlando, Florida at Nerdy Show Studios, home of the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. Discover more at nerdyshow.com. Our theme song, Maximum Rebo, was written and performed by Zantilla. Find more awesome tracks at zantilla.bandcamp.com. Special thanks to our Bothan pals in the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group, the Nerdy Show Network Patreon backers, and G29T. 
fifth degree labor droid. From scanning your luggage to repairing the pilots to your star speeder, there's nothing G2 won't do to make sure that you have a safe and pleasant flight. Next time you catch a star tour, be sure to tell him Doug says hi. Yaba. I have always wanted to touch him. I, like the texture of Yaba is something I, I need to discover. Consequence Podcast Network.